0: guys i'm Kristen, and this is carla hi <laughs> join us as we explore origin stories and fun facts or something
1: Hello. hi my chair's and too we- creaky i wanted to really just rock out hard to our imaginary <laughs> theme song and And then I got really distracted because one of my plants looks like it's being completely eaten by something. And I just noticed that. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sick of, like, (laughs) plant bugs. Is it you? You're just eating your plant right now? (laughs) Yeah, like an aphid sucking the juice out. What? You guys, why are plant things so gross? Like, my junipers are covered in orange slime. What? Gelatinous. because uh, cedar apple rust and or hawthorn juniper rust, it's a relationship kind of thing. Okay. And so on the cedars or junipers in the neighborhood, not all of them, but just some of those types. Um, yeah. They have these brown hard galls, I guess, or growths. Okay. And then when it rains, they suddenly explode. It's a fungus, and the spores come out, and it's like this gelatinous kind of octopus type
0: oh, tendrils. No.
1: It's slimy orange jelly on your tree. Oh, Looks no. like little aliens, and then it infects your apples and/or hawthorn. It's a whole thing, <laughs> and because it's raining a lot, guess what? All the trees look like they're just being attacked by some orange. Oh no, monster! It's so gross. So there's that. <sighs> then one of the spruce trees by the lake has spruce gall or whatever. It's like um. I didn't know what it was because it just looks kind of like this like weird almost purple acorn type thing but it wasn't okay. you know when spruce trees get the new little growths so they can be purple yeah but these are actually spruce galls and when you if you cut them open then it's kind of almost like honeycomb and there's like a bunch of little bugs inside oh yeah so and that can eventually kill the tree. Um, oh my God. i had a friend who had a willow with willow galls and it looks like little rosettes and she like, oh they're pretty i think i'll just let it be there i'm like oh no i don't think that's a good thing googled i'm like yep yeah, nope <laughs> well those are galls you want to get rid of those oh no so yeah i'm the queen of like, i don't let things just go yeah you
0: know i, I know you yes
1: <laughs> yeah, you do know me. but Everyone around me is like, oh, oh that's kind of neat. Or, oh, just leave it or whatever. And then I'm like, I feel like I want to Google this. I Google yeah. and then I'm disgusted at barfing all over the place. But then I share it with everybody. Or I'm like, look, look. I dragged everybody out to look at the gelatinous orange things. Like, you guys, look, look this is how gross it is. <laughs> but it's
0: good because if you didn't Google it, nobody would know that that was bad. And your friend would still, like, have those things all over her tree. Yeah. And right? Yeah. Right. So it's a good
1: thing. <laughs> Hi, my friend. Hello. And All right. F- it's a me episode this week, it right? It is a you episode. We partied Woo-hoo. hard with Dateline last time. Yeah, that was awesome. And this time we're going to do the history of Guess what it is. <gasps> I get to guess a guess? I yeah, you always
0: guess. guess right. It'll be interesting if you do guess this right.
1: I, I'm like claiming I never guess. <laughs> um, <clears throat> hold on, give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> There's nothing. It's people either border security or flowers, something to do with flowers.
0: <laughs> no, it's
1: very far <laughs> off of all of that. <laughs> border security would be good though as I quickly write <clears throat> that down uh, what was that other topic we were going to cover from last episode I forgot already um, well I'm doing Ryan Seacrest apparently <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what you said
1: listen to the episode okay What's so I'm not topic? doing
0: border security but I'm doing something travel related and I'm doing the origin wrong. yeah you weren't totally wrong I'm doing the origin of hotels. Because oh, I was like, you went on a
1: trip, it's going to be trip-related. <laughs>
0: oh, What's interesting gosh. is that I actually started researching this before <gasps> I went on my trip, like totally unrelated, oh. and then I'm like, oh, oh, I guess this totally actually makes sense. Okay, I started researching four different topics. I literally have like <laughs> half pages written about all of them, and I got so mad at them and just bored with all of oh. it, and I was like, I don't want to do this. I, went, I just was like... <laughs> in one of those moods a mood for the last two
1: weeks <laughs> i was like no you know what we need to do just start doing half a thing and challenge our listeners be like how about you finish the thing and see how easy <laughs> yeah, this is exactly i kind of feel like a lot of people me think what happened right? but i feel like i know we make fun of a lot of like our research and like sources and everything but i feel like a lot of people might think that podcasts but like research and specifically like, even something like for dateline or, like mm-hmm. the producers what they have to do i'm like it's a lot of work to actually yeah. look just find information right yeah and then figure out how to present it and then fact check it's like a whole other thing not that we do <laughs> yeah. a lot of fact <laughs> checking on here but
0: <laughs> that might be where i skimp a
1: little bit in the end I'm
0: like this is good enough but we day. also
1: kind of don't we don't make any big claims right like exactly well, Occasionally, okay, listen, do, this but- is
0: gonna be vaguely correct, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> Why is my voice doing this? It's like How every does- time I it's my time to talk, it gets all like scratchy, and I have to clear my throat. So, I apologize, you guys. For
1: you should just all go this. and like before a thing, you should do those breathing exercises where you have to like <laughs> breathe in really hard and then cough out, and then it clears all your like tell me things. what to do. <gasps> fine (laughs) go drink three liters of water you'll be (laughs) secure. on the water thing again (laughs) (laughs) okay Okay.
0: this okay so my research started with like a pretty
1: interesting fact wait i didn't suitably react yet i'm so excited about this (laughs) yay (laughs) um i'm still not very excited no because i never would have thought of the first hotel and it's a Really, you know, when you have that dumb feeling in your head of like, oh yeah, it has to start somewhere. Yeah, but you just take it for granted because you're like, no, no, hotels are always, you know. And I mean, Mary I think and this Joseph one is word one. <laughs> yeah, like I think
0: this one is one where it's like there is a very long progression, and it's like it's a little vague in areas because, of course, there were mm. like guest houses where people were staying at places for a long time. Like, yeah, when like does it distinguish. Sense. Oh, but this are be a hard topic. But there are also some very definite. Like oh. there's some definite information, so it's like a weird mix of it. Anyway, I'll get started. I'll stop talking vaguely about what I'm doing and actually give you the information.
1: Okay, your vague information.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll keep it vague, but in more of a format, formatted way. <laughs> okay, so we start in fifteen thousand BCE. What? Okay. With the Lascaux Caves in France. (gasps) Get out. Technically, no, they weren't a hotel, but they are the first shelter in history that provably accommodated people of a different tribe. So they can actually prove that they had areas that were made specifically to accommodate other tribes staying there for accommodation.
1: Kick my wall down and just say, get out, but with such a ferocity that I can't even because the thing would explode.
0: So, this is a fact that I found when I very first started my research. I'm like, no, that can't be true. Like, that seems like a, you know, when people kind of vaguely reference stuff. Yeah. So,. I left it in my notes, and I was like, I really do need to fact-check that one, though, because that's quite a claim to be making. (laughs) And I did fact-check it, and it was. It did come up as a thing. So I was like, okay, cool. That's actually legit, and that's so cool.
1: (laughs) Wow. Unless it was on some kind of major migratory-type route, and they all just stopped in and had like a... Yeah, and they allowed people to stay there. like They can actually prove that those there were quarters
0: for people from other places to come and stop and stay. Isn't that crazy? I know.
1: I think my brain just broke.
0: (laughs) So in the earliest days of civilization, there were places where you could exchange money or goods for a roof over your head for the night. Traveling at this time took way longer than it does now, obviously, because people (laughs) were walking and then eventually, like, taking horses and whatever. Yeah, I know, right? Right. (laughs) So... It was much more necessary for people to stop along the way when they were on a journey somewhere.
1: Yeah. I just assumed everyone would know how to build their own, like, lean-to or something. Like, they'd have to.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, and sometimes I'm sure that's what they did. But um, a lot of times they would actually stay at people's houses along the way, right? Yeah. So, um, so they'd have to stop along the way and... And, like, at someone's house and just say, hey, can I stay here tonight? I can give you this loaf of bread that I have with me. Or I can give you whatever money, whatever it is. Um, Did they have language, do
1: you think, at that time?
0: Yeah. Like so the, this is, the, like, in the ancient times. Like, right. um Just before, like, the ancient Romans and stuff like that. So it's oh, like sorry. They, I was thinking about the cave still. That's mm. Man. Yeah, the cave stuff is different. They wouldn't be, oh. I don't know if they were exchanged. Nobody really knows mm-hmm. that much about it. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, so it, this is similar to the idea of a hotel because people are stopping and staying the night and, you know, usually exchanging mm-hmm. goods or services or whatever for it. Um But at this time, it was really just a room in someone's house or, like, you're sleeping, like, on the floor in front of the fire or whatever. And oftentimes, they would actually stay in the outhouse. They wouldn't even be inside the main house. So it really was just a pit stop out of necessity along their journey and very much kind of relying on the kindness of people, like, along this journey. Like, along the path that they were going. So the ancient Romans were savvy businessmen, and they realized that they could expand on this pit stop concept as more of a business. And they developed a few different types of lodging that were, like, much more commercialized in a way that didn't really exist before then. Because before, it was just kind of unorganized people just stopping wherever, like, they could yeah. kind of thing. Um, so the first of this type of lodging, they were called hospitia. So like, like hospitality kind of thing. <laughs> and they were still just rooms rented in private homes, but they were were a bit more commercialized. So they started to offer food and drink as well as somewhere to sleep. And these, um, they were often regarded as seedy, like not a great place oh, um, no. to go as travelers often rented little more than a bug infested mattress and blanket on the floor of a shared room. So it wasn't like the best place, but it was somewhere and it was like a little bit more organized. They could get food and drink there as well. Yeah. Um, And an example of this place, of one of these hospitias, um, was the House of Sallust, which was a popular, quote, hotel. Like they weren't really hotels yet. In Pompeii. (gasps) And it's considered to be the first hospitality establishment that charged a set rate for lodging. Which is, like, cool, because when I went to Pompeii, I think I saw, I have, like, a whole book. I don't know why I didn't look into my actual book that I got from that <laughs> place, um, where you can go and see, like, the old hotel, like, whatever yeah. remained of it kind of thing.
1: Oh, my gosh. And then the poor people okay, are, so- like... Yeah, come to the first hotel, they're advertising themselves, and then <laughs> big volcano erupts. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next place, they were called Stabula. Stabula? that sounds so know.
1: familiar maybe from latin yeah i know it looked familiar to me too so Wait, they so were specific- everybody if you can learn latin it's really quite a fun language to learn it's pointless but i love it okay continue. oh my gosh it was so much fun to learn latin <laughs> but the
0: whole thing that i found interesting about learning latin was that i learned more about the english language yes. and the structure of our sentences and everything than i yeah. ever learned in english class i know <laughs> it was crazy yeah And we got really good at memorizing things in Latin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really fun. (laughs) Okay, so Stabula were a specific type of Roman motel that were, they were found at the entrance of towns and cities, the entrances. Um, Their main difference from hospitia was that they offered facilities for stabling animals as well as rooms for the guests. So they were for people that were coming like on horseback or with like carriages and stuff like that.
1: It was oh, easy to recognize... <laughs> what? Sorry, just like stables.
0: Yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Cool. It was easy to recognize um, them because they always had ramped entr- entrances sloping onto the street to allow access to carts and pack animals. <laughs> <laughs> the animals were accommodated in stables at the back of the premises, generally in a courtyard area, um, faced by kitchens and latrines. And then guests would typically <laughs> stay in the front of the complex and um, mm. Although sometimes they would also sleep out in the stables. So if you think, too, like like how you mentioned earlier, like Mary and Joseph and Jesus, like they <laughs> yeah. there was only room in the stables, right? So that makes oh, sense yeah. that if it was that they were at an inn. Oh my but my gosh, I was just joking. They yeah. didn't have any rooms, but they have stables that are attached oh, yeah. to them, right? Huh. <laughs> okay, and then the last one that they had, um, they were called mansiones or mansions. Mm-hmm. Um And they were the Roman equivalent of motorway service stations. So (laughs) they appeared at regular intervals along the Roman road network, which was quite big because as they conquered places, they, like, set up these, like, road networks. Um, uh, Let me see here.
1: Why do I find that so creepy that, like, back then, yeah, people just had, like, the whole, you know, accommodation thing that they needed. It's just... It's too modern <laughs> feeling almost. It's weird. I know, right? <laughs> um,
0: so they these places were like basically for like the travelers right along the roadside. They were specifically set up to like to cater to people who were traveling along those roads. Yeah. they were official state-run services, and they were designed to let those on imperial business change horses and rest. But they also offered food and accommodation to general travelers as well. Hmm. So a lot of them, like, I'll talk about it a little bit later, because this comes up again, like, later in history. But this is where they would, like, actually change horses out. So they'd, like, get a fresh horse to continue on their journey. Oh my <laughs> so even if they didn't gosh. spend the night, they, or, like, either or, they could either spend the night or not. Um, they'd yeah. change their horse out so that they'd have, like, fresh horses to keep <laughs> going. So clever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in the Middle Ages, so that was kind of like ancient Rome where they were starting to do stuff. It was mm-hmm. still like it was getting a little bit more formal, but it was still quite informal. Right. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, Horses going the... on either side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so in the Middle Ages, this is when the first hotels actually become established. Mm. So, in the early 700s AD, Whoa. the first two actual hotels in history were registered in Japan. Oh. They were called ryokans or ryokans, and were resting spots along important trading routes. So again, starts along the trading routes, right? Where oh, people so who are traveling need to stay. Yeah. Okay, so the, this is the name of the place, Nishiyama Onsen Koyunken, in Nailed Yamanashi, it. Japan. <laughs> I know, right? It's like I'm Japanese, you guys. I know. <laughs> we I can would hardly never tell guess. the difference. Yeah. <laughs> so it's located in Yamanashi, Japan, which is about 130 kilometers west of Tokyo. Okay. So this hotel was founded in 705 AD by Fujiwara Mahito and is considered to be the oldest operating hotel in the world because it is still in operation today. You can stay there. They have a whole I can't. website like you can go and book a stay there.
1: This is so cool.
0: <laughs> fun fact, it has been owned by 52 generations of the same family. <gasps> Get out. Isn't that insane? And then extra that makes fun me fact. So sad that we don't have stuff like that. Sorry, go on. I know. So extra fun fact, not only is it the oldest still-operating hotel, but it's also the world's oldest continuously running business because oh it has kept running through this entire time. <laughs> it looks really nice. Like, it's the very traditional when you think of Japanese yeah. places, like right. the paper walls and the, right. like, the mats oh and the, you're sitting God. on the floor. And they have... So a lot of these traditional um, places, they had the the hot springs so the onsen baths yeah yeah yeah, where you can stay and this place has that as well like it looks amazing oh, i'm like man oh when i go to japan i'm gonna stay there for sure yeah like it's oh, just I... the history of it like how can you we especially in mind. canada and north america we do not have that level of history
1: whatsoever <laughs> classic Eddie are 50 years ago <laughs> <That> <laughs> no surely old. not yeah. <laughs> no one was alive then <laughs> yeah like (laughs) and that's what just kills me we don't have that kind of you know and then I get a little mad at like businesses when I hear stories I've had a couple times where there's just something that's family run and there's no family that wants to take over it where I'm like pardon me I get it you're like Mm -hmm. you know if you don't want to do it that's okay but like yeah I get so sad though I'm like no I know
0: well that was like the Dutch deli that was my very first job ever it oh, had yeah. been family run and they i was i worked there and it was the 45th anniversary i think yeah but my boss when he wanted to retire none of his kids wanted to take it over so it yeah. closed and it ended up being turned into some i don't know bong shop or something yeah, like that it still like is. it was yeah 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 oh Aww. yeah you you live right by it like it's mm-hmm. yeah it was sad cuz it was that such an sad. awesome little place and it was such an establishment like people came like they yeah. make special trips just to go there,
1: and it, there is like another like Dutch um, deli, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not as good, and it's not the same, right? It yeah. doesn't have that yeah. his that history, like your, yeah. you know, it's just exactly same with my bakery, our family bakery. We have been going for like it had changed locations, right? But we had been going for the longest time with the original owners, and now they're slowly getting more kind of like shishi and changing the recipes.
0: Oh. of some of the original
1: things and it's just kind of like can we not change everything like easy yeah there? like I get like, it if you want to
0: update like the look of it, something yeah, a little bit or add some new stuff in but like keep mm-hmm. the standards there right yeah, yeah.
1: like don't mess with yeah. everything right and so
0: yeah like there, there are certain hotel, things that let's... that my boss like he did the like the spices on like the roast his roast beef was amazing like he did oh, it all himself I can, oh, you, I'll never be able to find that anywhere else. Like, no one will never be able right. to have that again because it's done now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this hotel. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, I want to wow. go there so badly. I know. It's insane. Okay. Um, so in the Middle East, they had caravanserais um, that were a resting place for caravans along the Silk Road. And they served as refugees. No. No. Nope. <laughs> <and> <laughs> refugees eh? served pilgrims and on their way to the Holy Land. Okay, this is like the third time that we've recorded this because we've had technical difficulties yet again. Like what episode mm. do we not have te- technical difficulties? <laughs> um but every single time when I was saying that word, I was like, don't say refugees, don't say refugees.
1: <laughs> and the final <laughs> it's bound <thing>. to happen. <laughs> It's the worst word in the English language. I know. It's hard. Okay.
0: Um, So in China and Mongolia, staging posts provided shelter for couriers and allowed horses to be changed more easily. So we see that all of these places are kind of popping up along, like, these major trade routes. Mm -hmm. Like, there are different cultures that are, like, they're all kind of coming to the same conclusions of needing places for people to stay along these major routes. Yeah, In Europe... Cloisters and abbeys provided free accommodation to travelers so they could just stop over at, like, I was going to call it a resort, (laughs) a church,
1: (laughs) very opposite from a resort. (laughs) You just have to endure, like, silence and, like, lashings and...
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a great resort if you want to be tortured slowly (laughs) and bored to death. So gradually, in these same places, <laughs> inns and guest houses began to open on these popular trade routes to provide lodging for traveling merchants and their horses. So traveling during this time, like in the Middle Ages, wasn't very safe or very common. And it was really only the merchants, religious pilgrims, couriers, and government workers that they were the only ones that were traveling. It's not like people were like, oh, we're just going to go pop over and (laughs) see our family in this other town. Like, they're like, no, that's not the only people that would be there are the people that had a reason to be traveling, right? Hmm.
1: Okay, so now we
0: get to the 15th century, so 1400s um, and on. So the hotel industry as we know it today started around the 15th century. So like the modern hotel kind of industry. You froze, I think. Nope. Yeah, you did.
1: Huh? Yeah, you did. Oh. (laughs) Just continue from now. We're fine, I think. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay, so in France, so in um, the 15th century, in France and England, laws were introduced that meant that innkeepers and hotel owners had to keep a guest register. So that means that, like, at that time, there were enough hotels that it was being a little bit more, like, made a bit more legal, a bit more um, structured. In certain ways oh. so like there were some I've kind of left them out a little bit but like there were some hotels that were opened up in England like as early as like there was one famous one that was 1287 right you know and there's still a hotel
1: reasons like for like because if it's a business then they would need to like pay taxes I'm guessing I would assume so, but I think like I think there's
0: probably quite a few different reasons of why they had to keep the guest register. Like I would assume it's a way of kind of like tracking comings and goings of people and True. like those types of things. It's the earliest form of the vaccine passport. No I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 and people are all up in arms about it. <laughs> it's like it's been happening since the dawn of time. How dare you read
1: my name? <laughs>
0: Okay, so at this time, there were about 600 inns registered in England uh-huh. in the 15th century. So, like, it's a decent amount for wow that time, right? So many of these inns were called coaching inns, and they provided food and a place to sleep, as well as a stable and food for the horses in the traveling party. So the mm-hmm. coaching inns were the ones that were similar to those mansions or those, um, yeah, those, like, Stabulas rest stops or that the... Yeah, that the Romans had. Yeah,
1: yeah, the Stabulas. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the reviews back then? They'd be like, "The hay was old. Poor horse." (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sure that there were places
0: where they didn't want to stop at certain places, right? Because yeah, like it actually they had no
1: choice, right?
0: Like yeah,
1: total Roach Motel.
0: Totally. So inns with stables were vital at this time since it was obviously before the introduction of rail travel. So everybody was traveling by stagecoach or the mail coaches would be coming through. Like it was a big deal. And that's where like at this point when they've got like um, it's the stagecoaches, there's more than one horse. And they're not as like attached to the individual horse, right? Like it's not necessarily a guy riding in on horseback, right? (laughs) Right. Okay. So in England, these inns would be spread out about seven miles apart. Um, And there could be up to 10 inns in any one town. So I think that they, like, they separated them out. I don't know. I didn't actually look up whether it was because, um, like, that's how comfortable it was for people to, like, travel for that Mm -hmm. amount of time before they needed to stop or for the horses or whatever. But it was kind of like a mandated thing that they'd be seven miles apart.
1: (laughs) But there's, like, a 50... Hotels in one little.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It basically is. That's the thing. Like, there's so there's 10 inns in any one town, which at that time the towns weren't that big, right? Like, that's a lot of inns. So there was a ton of competition between innkeepers, like, because they're all trying to get, oh, the new stagecoach is coming in. Like, let's get that business, right? Yeah. Um, So, because of this competition, Innkeepers started to run their inns in a more professional manner with the hopes that the travelers would choose to stay with them instead of with their competition. Uh So this meant that they had um, they started having proper timetables for check in and check out as well as fixed food menus and eating times. So that people oh. knew, oh, if we get to that place by that time, like it just was it was run in a little bit more of an orderly way so that right. people know when they can get food and all that kind of stuff. hmm. And this is where a lot of the more modern hotel rules that we see today started to form at this Interesting. point. Interesting. Yeah. OK, so now we jump. So that was like the 15th century, so 1400s and on. Um, and now we jump to the 1700s.
1: It's kind of funny how that's like the ment- like that's the reasoning behind those like rules because you'd think that, um, it was more like, well, we don't want to be serving people at all hours. So you can't just. Exactly. Right. You're yeah. going to eat a three and you're going to like it. Yeah. But then I'm thinking, what if the small mom and pop hotel down the road is like, just come, we'll feed you as soon as you get here. Yeah. Right. And it's like, yeah. but that didn't seem to be like, I get their reasoning now. Hm. Well, I'm sure at some
0: point in history, like, I'm sure that they went through those, like, phases of things right. too. Right.
1: Where but they're you like, would want oh, those predictable times, I think, too, right? That could help yeah. the other kind of traveler who's like, We for sure will get food at four o'clock. This is great. Exactly. And they could plan their trip
0: around it a little bit right. more, right? Like, we're going to stop at this place because it will be just in time for dinner, right. you know, or we'll keep pushing oh, through man. to the next one or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So during the middle of the 1700s, hotels started to grow and provide more things to their patrons. Traveling at this time was starting to become more of a leisure activity for really wealthy people, um, which meant that hotels needed to be much more comfortable and nicer, as well as give their guests a bit more of an experience rather than Mm. just like, you're here as a necessity to rest and go. Because before that, traveling was not a leisure activity at all it was out of necessity you know like it was very rare for people to travel between places it was usually like if you're even traveling to see family it's because Mm -hmm. somebody was sick or dying and half the time they didn't even go for that right it's funny because
1: i like to travel i treat i like to treat hotels or wherever as the just the rest stop i don't like this resort style thing where it's like yeah here, come do this and this. I'm like, I'm not here for the hotel. I don't care about where I'm staying so much. Yeah. It's like, because I'm here to see what's out there. <laughs> I'm yeah. Traveling somewhere.
0: Yeah. Right? And see, so, yeah, like, but... I love finding really cool hotels, like, really unique different places to stay oh, no. that create an ambience. And, like, yeah. But yeah. I think
1: it's like, I, I I think it's more like my anti-cruise stance. I don't understand yeah. how people, their whole trip, I realized it's like, you're on a hotel in the water. Yeah. Not looking at anything. <laughs> Yeah. And it seems odd to have your vacation, the whole vacation, in the hotel. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, that is kind of weird, hey? Yeah, They really
0: stop, but, like, yeah. it's... <laughs> but it's the same thing with, like, all-inclusives in Mexico or whatever. It's like, hmm. like, I enjoy them and appreciate them to a certain degree, but at some point yeah. I'm always, like, I need to leave the resort. Like, I need to go for a walk somewhere. I need to see right. something outside of yeah, this like complex the little... that we're in, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um so one of the very first modern hotels to open was in Exeter in the UK in 1768. Um which was followed by the first publicly held hotel in America called the City Hotel in New York in 1792. Okay. So this is like the beginning of modern hotels as mm. we we know them now. Yeah. This is when it's kind of starting. Okay, so in the early 1800s was when hotels started to pop up throughout Europe and North America. They're just popping up everywhere in this more modern style. Mm -hmm. A hotel called Tremont House opened in Boston in 1829 and holds the record for many industry firsts. It was the first hotel to have indoor plumbing with toilets and baths. Wow. It was the first to give out free soap to the people which everybody <laughs> loved it was the first to have locks on the room doors <laughs> No, way. it was the first to have bell boys and it was the first to have a proper reception desk area that did more than just take payment so it was no. more like a place that they could come and ask questions and all that kind of stuff oh, that's <laughs> crazy that insane also crazy that These other places didn't have locks on the
1: doors. Yeah. Like how many chairs were against those doors? (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to the Industrial Revolution, there was regular but structured work, so people had more income, as well as time off, because it was structured time. Travel was now more accessible and appealing for regular people, not just the wealthy classes. Combine this with the invention of trains and cars and travel was starting to become hugely popular. And by the 1900s, there were many hotels all around the world. Like it was a, wow. it was just kind of a set thing. And it was specifically yeah. not just for business people, not just for people who had to travel, but it was for leisure people as well. Yeah. I have a little bit more history, but first I've got some fun facts about hotels in the 1800s. Side okay. note,
1: Wait, yeah. just super quick. Even, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's insane that during the Industrial Revolution, when we have, like, the advent of, like, super slave labor, child labor type horrible practices, right? Factory workers all dying. Yep. That we have this, like, increase in middle class, like, leisure and, like, <laughs> extra yeah. money to spend. I'm like, such an odd thing to wrap my head around. But anyway, sorry.
0: I know. I think it's, like, such an interesting... Um, time period because all of this stuff it's it's just like all this new technology was happening so it changed everything so dramatically so yeah yeah, it changed the way people were working and the conditions for some people were just absolutely horrible Mm -hmm. but it also like allowed those people to have certain things that they couldn't have before because they're making more money or making some money Somebody, without having yeah. <laughs> to, you know, and they're in the city. And so when they oh have goodness. their weekend off or their one day a week off or whatever, right, they can go buy a paperback novel and Unless they can go those chew some gum.
1: Middle class people, maybe it was more like the managers of things. Right.
0: Yeah, because not everybody is like a lower class like slave. I mean, if you talk to some <laughs> people now, you know, yeah. they're working three or four Like minimum wage jobs just to pay their rent, type thing. Like they're in the similar situation as those people were at that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fun fact in 1870, the Palmer House Hotel in Chicago was the first hotel built to be fire resistant (gasps) and the first to offer telephones in all of its rooms. No. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In 1832, Holt's Hotel had the first steam-powered elevator in all of New York City. Ooh! In 1888, I know. In 1888, the Hotel Victoria in Kansas City, Missouri, was the first to offer an ensuite bathroom with every room. (gasps) <gasps> Isn't that shocking in Kansas City, Missouri, of all places? You would that think is... that that would happen somewhere else first. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that is so neat. And the idea that like I'm wondering like room service if that came with the phone thing like right off the bat, or if that was like
0: I will tell you right now. In 1893, the Waldorf Astoria opened in New York. It was the first hotel to offer room service. <laughs> And in 2014 the Waldorf, Ast- uh, Waldorf Astoria was sold to the Chinese Eng Bang Insurance Group for 1.95 billion dollars. When?
1: Which is what? When? When in 2014. When do- oh, okay. Sorry. I thought this was so like, like recently. 18 something I'm like Sorry, what? yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, like no in
0: 2014 we skip to like current times. <laughs> I included that because it's the most that has ever been paid for a hotel wow anywhere. They paid I'm almost 2 billion
1: dollars. That Ooh. doesn't seem very high to be honest. The Waldorf that's Astoria, true, it is the Waldorf
0: on. Astoria, yeah. I mean yeah. that was in 2014, who knows, that's almost 10 years now. Oh yeah. Okay, so in the mid 1900s um Thanks to various social and economic factors, middle-class people had more time and money to indulge in travel than, like, ever before. Mm -hmm. Hotels began to diversify, catering to different budgets and interests, so there were spa hotels, casinos, motels, hostels, resorts, conference Mm. hotels, um, and they offered a more varied range of services. Mm. After the Great Depression and the war, the 50s saw this, like, boom in the hotel industry, which included the advent of Club Med, uh, the first casino hotels, the first hotels developed by airline companies, and new resorts flourishing around the Mediterranean. So, like mm. all of these new kinds of things started like popping up right. at that time. Yeah, and everybody started like really specializing and seeing that people were able to spend money on travel. So they're yeah. just trying to fill that void, right? Um, in the United States, Holiday Inn and Howard Johnson's Motor Lodges were founded uh, in the mid-1900s, and 35,000 motels were built between 1939 and 1960. Whoa. So that's like a 21-year span. That's a lot of motels. Wow. That's crazy. And my last little fact is mm-hmm. that in 2015, the first world hotel in Pahang, Malaysia, so it's like just northeast of Kuala Lumpur. It expanded and became the largest hotel in the world with seven thousand three hundred and fifty-one rooms. <laughs> it's ma- it actually looks pretty cool. It's very colorful on the outside. What? It's got like an insane amount of
1: rooms. Why do they need that many rooms? What's happening? I know. <laughs> like who's traveling there so much? I know. Seven thousand.
0: <laughs> I know it's insane. Oh, my god! And that's the origin of hotels, the very brief origin of hotels. You I'm guys... sure I could have, like, gotten a bit more detailed, especially in the 1900s, because no, there was, it doesn't like, a big boom and
1: stuff. Blew everybody's minds, I'm sure, with the cave. <laughs> like, that's all we needed to I know! To... <laughs> even, but even, like, the oldest hotel in Japan, like, I can't. Isn't that insane? Not just in Japan, but, like, in the world, right? Like, that's yeah. the first yeah, one. Yeah, they said they
0: were the first officially, like, and it's recognized officially by recognized. the Guinness... Book of World Records, that one specifically, that it's the oldest official hotel
1: in the world. Right. Yeah. You know, it's kind of comforting that there are some things that we can, for sure, it's a little slightly off topic, but like, um, for sure, kind of like pinpoint and we know the history and it is what it is, right? Because I do love researching things that don't quite have an answer, Mm -hmm. unless it's about the history of dogs then that can just go right to help. (laughs) But I was watching, there's a preview for some kind of show, I think, I don't know if it's out already, but... um, like a new prehistoric kind of you know when they do those like computer generated things of prehistoric animals yeah it's really good and they have the updated research and so they have the t-rex swimming in the water all the time what they this like yeah because apparently its bones were like hollow or something like that and it's like (laughs) he
0: just has little like water wings on his tiny arms (laughs) yeah
1: can you imagine and then there's like some furry looking t-rexy type thing and it's just all these like so they're finding this new stuff, oh, that's so cool. great, right? and they're finding fossils now with actual like like this everything and in, like intact, like the skin, and like they even had like some organs or something that were somehow. And I'm like,
0: oh my God, this
1: is mental. so everything's changing, and it's like that weird, unsettling thing of like, so. It's we like what we thought really we know. knew isn't,
0: yeah, you can't really know.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, because I think so much me. of it,
0: and like when we talked about stuff with the dogs, like so much of it is based on, okay, what did, what have they found so far? They've only found yeah. certain things, and right. you can't have the full have guess. the full picture. You have to guess, no. and so, so much of what we think we know is based right. on assumptions that were made. Filled with, like, little bits of fact, like, things that we do know, based on little bits of information that we've actually found. Yeah. You
1: know, so it's really just a lot of made-up stuff, you know? It's tough. Like, my dad, he mentioned, we were talking one time, and he was like, "Um, you know, I really wish they... How can they say that this and this fact about outer space or the universe? He's like, how do they know? How do they know? Yeah. Right? And I am always tell him, like, a lot of scientists are really good about saying the known universe right when they're talking right. so what is actually known it's like what they can actually measure right and even then there's a lot of theories right yeah and if you listen to you know some of the better ones scientists i guess like they will say it, it's just a theory or we can't know for yeah. sure they're careful right but then just think about all the articles and videos and even di- like older mo- like dinosaur movies or something where yeah or documentary you know like the little yeah that aren't going to be accurate that maybe people do take as fact and I can kind of see how but- there's that lack of trust in science because it does keep changing right. in a way and I'm like yeah you have to listen to the language the science is good it's just yeah we can only know so much right so this, but it's like you know- it is that crazy thing
0: that Because I think humans have this desire to, like, to know things for certain. Like, we have this this intense fear and anxiety about uncertainty, right? Yeah. So we want to have some kind of answer. So even, like, us growing up and learning that T... Like, knowing or being taught as children that Mm T-Rex, like, is this giant thing. He's never (laughs) shown swimming, never shown as this furry animal. Like, it's a reptile yeah. Right. Oh, the T Rex wasn't furry, but
1: something that looked oh, like T Rex was some, kind of. Funny. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> even right. so, like to see those any of the dinosaurs as furry, we don't really right. see that ever, right? Yeah. So even that, it's like that is mind blowing to me, and it it has that it makes me question literally everything in life. Like if we don't know yeah. what, if we can't depend on what a T
1: Rex <laughs> looked like or did or whatever, how do we know yeah. anything is true? <laughs> right? Know? Yeah, and it's kind of like we're talking about like millions of years ago how yeah. you know and trying to read a, just a little bone in the rock and yeah just putting st- a few fragments together and it's kind of yeah. like it's amazing that we can already we can figure out as much as we do right yeah but I think part of it it's not even there is that anxiety but I think part of it too is just <laughs> like just wanting to know the yeah like, what the like solve the mystery right kind of like yeah we all love a good mystery but we also really really want that good ending So
0: <laughs> that's, that's why we love dateline to throw it back to to the last episode with your dateline yeah. thing like that's why that formula works so well because yes. everybody wants some neat ending
1: like yeah we want and it very, all wrapped up in a bow yeah and when they have those episodes where it's kind of not wrapped up it's like yeah
0: Mleh. You're just left Come with on, this Ellen. like
1: unsettled <laughs> feeling
0: of like oh but I wanted to know who was who did it like exactly. I I honestly think the worst thing in the world would be to have some kind of like unsolved murder unsolved a uh, disappearance of somebody in yeah. your like sphere Ugh. of people no. and just to never know and never find out what happened would be the absolute yeah. worst thing ever. Gross! Don't it's mention it's that before torture. your trip. Oh you sorry. <laughs> But you will know what happens to me as I'll get stomped on by an elephant and then eaten by a lion. (laughs) It will be well documented. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) On that note. On that note. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for listening guys <laughs> uh, remember to like subscribe and review you can follow us on Instagram we are at podcast.or.something or you can write to us at podcast or something at gmail.com and we will talk to you uh, later or something bye bye <laughs>